Well, I'm here in the States. Uh, you know, I was remembering when I came here that every time Matt Ray traveled internationally, I always like to have him give us a debrief of the complete end-to-end -end experience. And I was thinking, I'm not really interested in that nowadays. <laughs> I, I, think, I think it's mostly fine. Uh, it's not, not quite as fascinating. However, uh, I do want to cover something that I think uh, is, is still worth commenting on the travel experience. Is like the hotel experience in America versus Europe, I think is very interesting, right? Like I think, I think, and, and, you know, is uh, like all of my commentary, it's going to be kind of snooty, but like, it's hard to get a shitty hotel in Europe. Like it, you know, if you stay at a Marriott place, like they're all generally okay. Now they might be like super boring and that I don't know what to call it. I'm going to call it like European style where everything is like very square. It's like Ikea style kind of sure. like Ikea plus plus. <clears throat> and so, you know, you might end up at a place like that. But here, uh, no, you can get a crappy hotel in Europe, but it's, it's, it's more it, likely. It, it, it's like when I, when, I, uh, went, uh, when I went with my wife and the first time we went to Europe, and, and I thought I was still a college student. I was thinking, oh, you know, we're going to do the backpacking youth hostel. And after one youth hostel, she was like, nope, I have a job. We're staying in a real hotel. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. 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 And, and so like, whereas when you come to the States, I'd kind of forgotten that you're kind of rolling the dice, right? So I'm staying at, uh, there's several of them. I don't, I don't want to shim, but in the, in the Dallas Fort Worth area, I'm staying at a Renaissance and you can tell that they need to have a Renaissance, like kind of oh. update things here and there. And I think the tell is that if you go, I mean, one of my favorite, you know, I think people know that I really enjoy hotel room coffee. It's just like I feel like maybe I should do some videos about that to kind of be a connoisseur of it. Uh, uh, but you can tell that if you're, you're in one of these crappy states one where you get – I'm sure you both have encountered this. You get the in-room coffee machine <clears throat> that has the little plastic tray with the bag of coffee in it, right? And if you yeah. encounter that, you know, either you're in Las Vegas or – like you're in an older uh, like Marriott that has like they haven't they're not quite in that part of the spreadsheet where it's time to spend the money on the uh, the Renaissance the renew yet and um, well, I think you know that I, I'm in one of those now I'm going to be uh, in a Renaissance in Austin in this weekend I'll uh, I'll take some notes see see how notes. that one's doing because because there's there's a difference between tired hotel and gross hotel. Ooh, right. yeah. You know, is, is it just is it just run down and you know, it just it needs to spruce up, you know, a couple coats of paint, new carpet, and it'll be good as new, or should it yes. be condemned? Now this is an excellent point. Hey, Cote, why did you pick uh the Renaissance? Like, because you know, you're a, a veteran of uh many uh, -huh. uh Marriott brands. So it seems like there must have been some type of uh that is real thought that went into the choice of the Renaissance first. Uh like Marriott by Courtyard would be like the one I would have guessed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, courtyards actually, in my experience, are pretty nice, uh, but they're consistent, right? Like, but solid. Yeah, yeah. I think a courtyard is kind of like a Burger King, right? Like, it's not like the leading brand, but you might end up there and you'd be like, "Oh, this is a good meal." In fact, we uh, we were uh, we were vacation on the beaches of Bordeaux, and uh, we stopped at a Burger King on the way there. And uh, the kids enjoyed a Burger King. And Kim was like, I'm going to stop ordering from McDonald's. Did you see this burger that we got? The kids loved it. It was cheaper. Like, it was great stuff. So I think that's a pro tip there. If you're in France, eat at the Burger King. But back to your point, your question is accurate. Because I did put a lot of deliberate thinking into selecting the Renaissance. There's two reasons, one of which is boring, which is the location. We're here in Plano, and it was close to it, which is nice. But I think... You have identified something I haven't really pinpointed is I have a, there must be some name for this syndrome, but I am always optimistic that I'm finally going to find a good renaissance. And so like every now and then I'm like, you know what? I'm going to give it another try. Maybe like once or twice a year. And every goddamn time I'm like, hmm, should have just stayed at the Marriott Marriott, right? Like. <laughs> Generally, the Marriott Marriott is is pretty good, right? Like it's not it's not it's no JW Marriott. It's not going to be like a a W or a Westin, but it's solid, right? Uh, things are fine. But this this Renaissance, however, though, uh, it does have that that design where the the middle of it is completely empty, so it's like very airy and stuff, and it's got like the water effects. Uh, it's nice, but. Yeah, I, I guess I've learned the lesson. Uh, just don't don't stay at a renaissance. Uh, but I got that coming up this weekend. 
So, so we'll see how that works. Is the Austin Renaissance the one that had like the swans in it? Yes. <laughs> it, it, it is. I totally forgot there? about that. I hope uh, it so. It seems like like PETA must have saved them at some point. Those swans had the most miserable life. I don't. I don't know. It's air conditioned in there. That, that's yeah, that's but they nice. have like a, a kiddie pool and like two, two, or two or three swans in it. Huh? Inside a hotel. Is this because of you? <laughs> yeah, I think I think that I'm gonna I'm gonna report back on that. The uh, if there's swans in there still, huh? Okay. Well, uh, so I am here. The reason I'm in town is for uh, DevOps Days Dallas. I think they formally call it DevOps Days Dallas, not DevOps Days Dallas-Fort Worth. But it's hard to just say Dallas. Uh, you always want to throw in the Fort Worth there. I don't know. I think someone, one of the speakers made some joke about the good side of town because uh, they were from <laughs> Fort Worth or something, which is probably funny. Uh, but uh, I, I, gave a, I gave a talk today, which was fun. And apparently, they fully sold out. They have like 500 people, over 500 people, I think, who uh, are attending here, if you include uh, people like myself, which is like, I mean, that's pretty large. I think, I, have, have, have you all had this experience of like conferences you've gone to? That they're, uh, especially, well, I should say DevOps days. It seems like there's a lot of pent-up desire to, to go to these, and they're always, they've been maxed out. Uh, most of most that I've encountered and heard. Has, have you all encountered that? That sounds great. Uh, no. Oh. <laughs> I was going to say, but I think DevOps, I mean, not to undersell other conferences, but I think DevOps days just in general, it's a pretty big brand these days. Like, it feels like that it's yeah. kind of gone. But I mean, the days of that being kind of like, oh, it's like, you know, 30 people in one room. It feels like. The, oh, yeah, that's that's long for the long. major cities. It feels pretty big these and that I would say there's definitely pent up demand to get out, um, but I think DevOps days that combined with sort of the brand, it'd be interesting to get your take in when you're out at the uh, VMware Explore concert concert mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, co- conference uh, to see what the attendance there as well. But I don't know. I think it's like it's generally upticking, but I think DevOps day is probably a special one too, right? It's probably one that people go out of their way to make because it's yeah. been a while. And and to that last point, I think another thing that uh, I don't know if the rest of the conference world has figured out how to replicate this is that like DevOps days are also regional conferences, right? Like this one's in Dallas. I ran into someone who she, she was some of the, one of the people who runs the Raleigh one, right? Like, so like you don't really have to travel to go to a DevOps days, which I think has a huge effect on like, you do have to travel to go to a VMware Explorer, which is next week. I think August 29th to September 1st, you could still register. I hear you can get an expo pass for $50 if you just want to come uh, check out the floor or whatever. Uh, but, you know, that, that hurdle of having to travel is a pretty big hurdle. Yeah. <laughs> Where, whereas, like, when you have all these regional conferences, especially in an area as big as uh, Dallas-Fort Worth, uh, you know, you can just, like, drive 30 minutes and get there. And uh, it's pretty cheap. Well, that's always been the allure of, of, you know, the DevOps days is, is each one has a local flavor to it, right? You, you try to get local presenters so you could talk about, you know, they could talk about, hey, this is, you know, this is what's happening at my company in Plano or, you know, Richardson or, you know, wherever you may be. And Ooh, Richardson, good pull. <laughs> Irving. <laughs> I, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the whole the whole point to the DevOps days is. You know, yes, you might have some uh, luminaries such as yourself dropping in, um, but uh, hopefully the other talks are going to be local folks, especially mm-hmm. you know the the hallway track and the you know the sessions afterwards. You know the um, <clears throat> the bar camp style. Yes, the what are, the, what are they called? Open spaces. Open spaces. Yes. Yeah. Do you, do you think those are good? <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's that. I, <clears throat> They are good when they have the local flavor, right? I, I mean, mm-hmm. you, you could say like, oh, let's talk about, you know, the handoff between developers to operations. And then somebody's like over here in um, uh, Arlington, this is how we do it. <laughs> That's right. Well, you know, it, it, it's, it's the, uh, it's the uh, I-635 divide. That's, the, that's all I know. That's the only highway. Yes, I-35 the East and West. Right? Oh, man. And I got to say. I mean, it's not so much that I forgot, but I was reminded of just like, man, if you were a European driving on the highway system over here, you would be like, I don't understand how this country has three, over 300 million people who are still alive. 
It's just like <laughs> it's it's like you know in Wreck It Ralph two. What's the name of that uh, that video game that they play? It's it's like Death Run out there. It's just fucking crazy, right? And and like like this, you got like five lanes and people changing them and like road closures and you got the you got this Chevy Caprice over here and then a bunch of like Escalades and it's just like bonkers. Like it's uh, yeah. it's it's pretty intense. Luckily, you, you took the train, right? <laughs> yes, I, I I wanted to have. I actually did the, the mass uh, transit that Dallas Fort Worth is known for. That's that's funny. I accidentally looked that up because you know by default I have things set to like biking and public transit and Google Maps, and so that was the first thing it showed me. And I was like, ooh, well, you know, why would I drive for like ten minutes when I could take ninety minutes to get there? That 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 would that would be much better, which is just insane. But yeah, I'm I'm, I'm headed to. Uh, on a company offsite next month, and I did the same thing. I was like, "Oh, I wonder, I wonder if I could take the train." You know, like, no, there's no train. You know, it's just whatever. Yeah, yeah. And then, of course, I was like, "I wonder how walkable it is." Another joke. <laughs> well, beyond the transportation cut, what's the any highlights? Was it just your typical uh, typical format and kind of like keynotes and breakout sessions? Any? Uh, any yeah, I mean, I think there was a good balance. Of something. Go ahead. I, I think there's a good balance of uh, of, of several. Uh, you know, you had you had uh, you had the career talks, the kind of self help talks, and then there was some talks about uh, automating things. You know, your tools and stuff like that. Uh, but yeah, you know, I've spent most of the time catching up with people, uh, including. I would like to mention. Uh, you know, we don't have any ads, but I would like to give an ad for Barton George, who brought me a beer, and uh, we've been hanging out, spending a lot of time with each other. You may remember him from interviewing Matt Ray. Uh, some episodes ago, but uh, he's he's been doing a great job here. So uh, go to bartongeorge.net and uh, <laughs> tell them that your friends at Software Defined Talk sent you. Bartongeorge.net slash SDT. Yes, that's right. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I think, I think uh, you know, in talking with people, it goes back to what I was saying is like, yeah, there, there's, there's uh, 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 apparently people are interested in computers. It's quite good. And there's tons of sponsors here. I guess all I'm saying is I haven't actually listened to that many talks, Brandon. I, uh... <laughs> nice. Well, in the hallway track, I guess, because uh, there was this article that came out this week. I thought it was, you know, I don't know, maybe just a provocative he- headline. Uh, it's basically, you know, devs don't want to do ops. So I'm just wondering, was there any uh, talk about, hey, you know, I'm, I'm a developer and, uh, you know, I've gotten involved in DevOps, but I just, I, I want to go back. I don't want to, I don't want to be involved in ops. Is there, <laughs> was there a session on that? That I, I should uh, I should test that out, but I so far I think I've mostly talked with operations people. I'm always that's, I should I, I I hate doing the raise your hand thing, but I should probably force myself with these to be like how many people are application developers, and uh, see how many people raise their hands. Which I mean that was a little bit of the basis of of the talk that I was I was giving is like. You should remember that there's this dev part in DevOps and, uh, you know, pay attention to what to, to what they need. I, I mean, don't know. That was only one angle. But that's been the observation of, of DevOps days, you know, since the beginning is like it wasn't we've always been trying to drag the, the developers into the conversation. Right. The ops people are like, you know, hey, thanks for throwing this over the wall. Uh, you want to come visit us, Morlocks, on the other side of the wall? And, and then, you know, developers uh, are like. No, thanks. I'm good. You know, it's uh, it's all good over here. But, um, you know, we can't. <laughs> I, I, no, I, I'm saying this as a former developer p- pretending to be the operations guys like we can't let them get away with that. Right. Um, no, no. You know, that's that's what's come out of the last you know 15 years or of this is, you know, hey, we need we need a we need developers to do a better job. You know, we, we got things like observability and, you know, telemetry coming out of it, better stack traces and better logging. But at the end of the day, it still feels like a lot of it is, Hey, operations, we've tried to make your life easier. And, Mm. you know, I, I, am still, I'm still on the give developers pagers bandwagon. Mm. How, how do you, do you think the current mini wave Brandon of thought leadership on this topic, I think there's been two things published recently, if, if I recall. Like, is this it, has it resolved the issue? Is is there is there no dev and DevOps? How like what? How's it going? Well, I thought this out? article. I mean, it's a little bit of um, I don't know clickbait, but it's I think it kind of does hit on something that you know probably not talked about it, the DevOps days because I think the people that are you know not interested are probably not attending. Right? Would just be um, 
but if you've kind of, I guess it's just sort of like how someone views themselves. Like if I kind of view myself like, hey, I'm, I'm a software engineer, really want to spend my time writing code. I think a lot of, uh, you know, one potential way to think of like that day is like, hey, you know, I, I go to the sprints, I get my stories assigned. Um, once they're assigned, I'm pretty much just heads down, getting that done. Of course, you know, you're writing my unit tests and things like that and working with maybe some architects, but like, that's what I want to spend my day doing. And I don't want to spend um, a lot of time outside of kind of the domain and the, you know, the kind of the, if you will, the quote unquote, difficult software problems that I'm solving. And I think, I don't know, I do think there's sort of like an undercurrent of like the people that's, that's what someone wants to do. And they don't necessarily want to carry the pager or like um, they do want to kind of be abstracted as much from like the quote unquote infrastructure as possible. So it's, it is, I don't know. It's just, it's probably like a good check-in like around like, well, there's a lot of reasons that doesn't work and go all the way back to the beginning of DevOps. Like, you know, I guess at the very, I don't know. Can't remember who was. I don't know, Matt. You weren't the first one, but anyway, the idea, you know, I, <laughs> no. you know, whoever it was, it was uh, your old former coworker, right? Schaefer, it wasn't or something. You know, I can't remember yeah. who that was, but you know, kind of like, hey, you know, the problem with that is, of course, like you have these massive outages, and you know, how do we fix it? But like, I don't know. I think there's there's always still been like around, um, I guess maybe the the personal choice of it all. It's like, well, if if that's not what I really want to do you know, should I just not work in software or go work in like research where you don't have something in operations or is there like, is there still a place for me? Like in, um, and obviously certain people, like certain people have certain skills in development where like, they just, they just don't, they don't do the ops part. Right. They're just someone, they just get left alone. Well, like they're like, and, Oh, and that I, person's doing this hard thing and no one else knows how to do it. So they don't do, they don't carry the pager. Um, at least I don't know, Matt, what do you think? I, 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 I still feel like the dev side has an opt-in angle to it. They're like, you know, oh, I'm just not good at that. You know, my, my job is over here and I'm not good at that ops part, so I'm not going to do it. And they can get away with that, right? I mean, you know, for, for better or worse, be like, well, um, you know, do, do you want somebody who's not committed to making things better? I, and and I, can't, I can't even say, like, this is a blocker to advancement for developers. I, I think that there is a... Uh, there's just not a desire for buy-in from everybody. I mean, it's you know, there definitely, there definitely lots of folks who are like, you know, hey, we're all in this together. Um, you know, let's let's try to make this better for for everyone. But there are other people who are just like, you know, hey, I got code to write. Well, what's your take on like? Because I think the word you use there is like pretty pretty insightful. It's like you know, dev sort of opting in. And another way, I dev sometimes opting think in. It, I was going to say the other thing. I always feel like. And, you know, Matt, I want you to, like, you know, shoot this down. Is like sometimes I think people, developers feel like, well, they're sort of, like, opting in for more work, right? And the ops people are sort of kind of just doing the same. Like, the ops person doesn't, like, um, like, the dev person picks up the pager, right? Or should. Right. But the ops person doesn't, like, oh, you know what? I got to go design the new subsystem and, like, um, I got to go deal with this scalability thing. Like, I got to go re-architect this thing because it just doesn't work. Now, I don't know. I mean, maybe... At least that's my impression. Like the ops doesn't like opt into the hard software engineering problem, but feel free to shoot that down. I don't know, Matt, what's your take? I, I, there definitely are. I mean, there there are lots of shops that are like, we, you know, we're about to do a hard software problem, right? We, we're launching a SaaS and it's going to have this many users. And you know what? If you don't think about the operations to it, it's going to fail, right? There, there's just no two bits about it. But But then you do have lots of other folks who are like, hey, I'm a front end developer, or, you know, I'm, I'm you know, doing my, my uh, Lambda functions over here and I don't really want to think about anything other than just what I do. And <clears throat> there, there's space for both of them. Um, but uh, it's really a question is like, how's your organization built? Um, and some organizations are not going to, are not built to be DevOps organizations. They're built to like have, you know, Hey, we took the sysadmins and we called them SREs, and you know the developers just do whatever they want. That's I'm not gonna say it's viable. I mean, I mean, I'm not gonna say it's preferable, but it's definitely something. Yeah, it totally can work. And maybe that's like kind of it's like in some ways it's it's like a variation of this like whole like uh, work you know back to the office. You know, Apple's like you know calling people back to the office and they don't want to go kind of back to the opt-in. Like I think maybe that's the same thing here. And it's like I guess both with like the the Apple thing or like working somewhere and as, as well as this is like, I think if you're going into it and like you're recruiting, as long as you're upfront, like if you're very upfront with like someone, Hey, this is a, you know, even to even use the phrase, maybe that's even wrong. Being more explicit, like 
you know, in our organization, developers are on call. The rotation is this, right? You will spend your time working on these engineering problems, but you also spend your time thinking about this infrastructure. So like, if you're really clear in the job before someone takes it, I think that's good, right? Because that's, you know, kind of mm. just finding the right fit. Um, I guess it's just when someone walks in from the outside and it's just like, oh, we're doing DevOps, right? And everybody in the room, you know, there's like a group of people, you know, it's kind of like the agile thing. It's like, okay, that that's, um, you know, it's kind of the, you know, Kote, it's the stuff you talk a lot about. It's like, okay, it's, there's going to be a lot of uh, digital transformation culture talk here, right? To get a bunch of people on board. But a lot of people just maybe like, that's not what they opted into, right? That's not, yeah. you know, if I'm a VMware admin and I love it, because you could say, I mean, we've kind of picked on development, but we would go the other way. Like some people are like, hey, man, I, I know VMware, uh, you know, I am an expert at it. I know how to make it all work. And that's what I do. And that's kind of where I want to be. I, I don't want to be outside of that. But, but, but that part's shrinking. Yeah, that, 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 those roles are shrinking, right? Those roles are shrinking because it's harder to be like, I'm a storage admin, you know, because the cloud is eating up a lot of the drudgery of those IT operations jobs. You know, you, you can't be an exchange operator, right? And because like that should be a SaaS, you know, that should be outsourced. And, and so, you know, operations people are generally being asked to step up and become more involved in, you know, running the code, not just, you know, IT. And what I, I think there's not a, a an equivalent level of buy-in from the development side. Mm. Yeah, no, I think that's definitely true. I mean, I think, and I think most of the time when you get like behind the scenes around a team, there is sort of like, you know, regardless of titles, there's like an informal hierarchy, right? There's, like I said, there's always the like, there's the person that has this special skill that only knows this and you're kind of told leave that person alone that person does what they want and then there's uh maybe like a sports team right there's sort of superstars or whatever just people that have certain skills and there's other times like no no the rest of everybody else like everyone else is taking the pager you know so yeah. uh that, that is like, the punter know, he punts he does not participate in right any that's other what I'm the punter that's probably a good way <laughs> to say it like that's right the punter does not do contact drills that's just how it is the quarterback does not get tackled in practice everyone else gets tackled like you know it's just like those are the rules um so maybe there's some of that and um and i, I think there are other titles like i always think like like cto and architect are always like interesting titles because they're sort of like is in some ways not defend anyone has an architect but like that's a good sometimes it's a good shield to be like oh you know i'm the architect i'm you know, I'm not in like that. I'm not carrying the pager, right? <laughs> like there are certain titles that seem to like kind of go with that as well. So I don't, you know, so I don't. Know, maybe that's your next thing, Kote. Your next DevOps day, like may, maybe you should have that. Like uh, developers forced to be at this conference that don't want to be here. Like maybe like, <laughs> raise have, your hand. Have, raise, no, no, do, do a talk. Be like, I'm going to be talking to people that are forced to do DevOps that don't want to do it. That want to solve hard software engineering problems and want to like you know work uh-huh. in a uh, an office by themselves and not be disturbed. Um, come over and let's talk about what what you're doing and like you know and you see, know you know maybe see, see if you fit into this uh, organization. I, I I am not too hot on the uh, the open spaces format. However, I was talking with uh, you know all of our great friend No SSHJJ, and he tipped me off that it's a great place to learn about new things, right? Uh, to, to go to the the open spaces, but maybe I should propose if there's open spaces tomorrow, an open space called if you are an application developer, come to this. And I'll see if anyone shows up, and uh, that that that'll be the that'll be the entire session. I'll just count them, and I'll say like, "Good talk," and uh, we'll we'll see what that 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 could be my whole. Well, shit, and every, the every follow time up I go to is, is why did you come? You know, why did you come? And oh, you know, were you forced? That sounds. Are, like are some you work. are you looking to like you know break down the walls between dev and ops? Are are you like this you know? Uh, pioneer well, the best one is like get them to tell some stories like find someone there that's sort of like seen the light right that's what you always want you want some yeah, type yeah, of yeah. uh case you know informal reference be like so and especially someone that's really honest about it. it's like you know they came in and gave the culture talk i hated it right um and i really like working on this but and then they would say something like, but it turns out when i did do this it made me better at my job because I was like things I just never thought about. Uh, yeah. I took advantage of, and I got a total new appreciation, not only for the operation side, but for what our, our end users or customers go through. So, they, they and if no one says that, glory. yeah, you yeah. should just like, you, you could, you should just make up a story and be like, well, there was this person. And then you just tell the story and see if anyone latches on. Right. Cause it's like, well, if you can't find anyone to say that you just, because somewhere out there, so it's happened. We know it's happened at least. I like I like times. that. So so you 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 get the application developers together, and to summarize, 
you know, in, in an unfair way where you're saying, I could say like, so is this helpful? This whole thing? <laughs> I like it. No, I, I do like it. Well, because I was thinking back to our shared time many years ago now at BMC. It's like, I definitely couldn't tell. I, I think you guys could do it too. Like if I had a list and we will not do it, but like if we had a list of like, here are the developers, right? And here, here here's uh, what happened when they got the pager, right? Like there's definitely specific behaviors that like I can recall that went with certain people. Not everyone was very excited to get the pager. Some were yeah. a lot more vocal about it. And other people I think walked away with like, they actually did appreciate it, but it was pretty split, right? I think it was kind of split between that group of people. I don't, that's just like a very small sample size, but my guess is that's what happens a lot of places. I think I, think I spent two months trying to diagnose one bug that we never fixed. And uh, <laughs> still open, I mean, you know. It, it was it was it was uh, it was all in Java, so it was something to do with memory leaks or something, which is just like you know whatever. <laughs> of but, course, yeah. It was reflection. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, well, that's 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 uh, you know I I think I think uh, the jury's still out on the dev and DevOps. How's that going there? But that's I, I think I think I should start doing these open uh, open whatever they are, just be open spaces because like that would be good for me to kind of uh, sort through that now. Uh, you know, in, in, in a slightly uh, parallel dimension, it turns out, uh, you know, going to the Twitter world, that maybe uh, there's some allegations that, that Twitter security is, is not so great, right? And this seems like, this seems like, I don't know, let, let me ask more of a meta question. It's just like, is, is, is this ongoing drama about security, is this tiring or interesting to talk about? Is it well, I think the bullets. No, the, like what, what's going on here? The part that is interesting is just to say, because I'll just read them off and we can kind of talk about it. Like if you think this is egregious or like where you think it's, it, it kind of falls. So, you know, there's a huge long report. Uh, I haven't read it, but luckily lots of people on the internet have this summarized it. So a couple of the key findings here is like um, from that report were that more than half Twitter employees had direct access to the services live code okay, and data. So that's, one, uh, 30% of employees' computers were not set up for automatic updates. 60, 60% of uh, data center servers ran out of uh, ran an out of date operating system, and um, and it goes and that's I think so I think that's the common one. So I'll just I guess I'll just go first. I read it. I'll just put it on my card. It's like, well, I was like, you know, when I read this, I was like, my middle media thought was like, not bad. That's actually like, you know what? From when I actually see day to day, that's like, that is not as awful as I've seen. Right. And so, um, you know, Matt and I, I think a long time ago, we did a whole, probably what felt like a whole episode to the listeners on like windows 2008 <laughs> end of life and like, you know, just operating systems and like how much of these old operating systems existed. So, so when I read this, I, again, I felt more like, um, it, it I guess it, it sort of like made me think of like, Oh, you know, Twitter, is kind of like average, like just about like every other company. It wasn't like, yeah. oh wow, this is crazy. But it's like it maybe in my be. mind I thought they should maybe they should be better, but then I'm like, no, not really. Like this is kind of what it looks like. So I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When go when ahead. you go over it that way, like like there was an interesting hallway conversation I was overhearing with some uh, some some bank people were talking, and they were they were uh, the discussion was about how many approval processes there are and how difficult it is to do things and all the tricks people go through to actually get through the process. And, you know, to your point, it's like, yeah, well, do you really want to fix those problems? Because then, like, everything kind of slows down and it doesn't work. Now, you could also say, like, as, as a frequent Twitter user, it seems like they haven't really been doing that much as far as evolving the features. So maybe they could have more controls in there. But, yeah, I mean, now that you pull it out like that, like, looking through it and listening through it, like, yeah, that, that sounds pretty normal. I mean, like... Definitely, uh, having your employees not set up for automatic like uh, updates uh, and installing stuff. I mean, that's the first thing you do as a developer is totally sabotage anything on your system that you did not install that is going to do anything with the disk and mess with the configuration of your laptop. So that's just like <laughs> that's going to happen, right? Like it's fine. And well, the fact that the fact that only thirty percent of of the employees can achieve that, they you know they should try harder. Right, right. Wait, okay, you didn't say it, but like the other seventy percent are trying to figure out how to do this, right? They're trying yes, to figure exactly. out how to keep, you know, the stuff. So, I don't know, Matt. What's your take? Like, you see a lot of uh, customers well, as well. I mean, what, what did what did they expect? You know, so so Mudge is his, uh, you know, that that his hacker his name, cool name or whatever. Yeah, his cool name, um, Peter. Uh, 
<laughs> uh, you know, what did what did they expect Mudge to like come away with? He had been at Stripe previously and came in and like locked down Stripe, you know, because developers had access to to live banking. You know, developers laptops were not secure. Developers were not using two factor authentication. It's like he's gonna fall like. Every CISO in existence is going to follow a playbook of, you know, let's clean up the messes in house before we can right. to, you know, to do the same new... things. Yeah, we're going to do the same, same, the same, same things and, you know, try to clean up this house. And the fact that he got pushback and resistance seems odd. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, you know, you're, you're, you're raising a point earlier where maybe there is. I don't know how you would do the analysis without it being too egotistical to determine this, but you know, maybe there is a certain profile of company where it's like, yeah, I mean, and I guess the banks do this of like, it, it, it actually should be pretty hard to do these things, right? Like, you know, it's one thing if you're doing whatever, blah, 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 but like at some point, like you have to run the antivirus software on your laptop. Sorry, <laughs> sorry about well, that. Well, I mean, and, and, and I, more... I think treating Twitter like banking infrastructure kind of totally, makes sense. totally. And and then and then also okay, but like, just to pause right there, like if we if I had read these off and I said this is a a large bank, like like I because I I I think like this like a large bank it would not shock me if a large bank has like a profile similar to this. Mm. Oh, I would not, I, I would I not agree. find that shocking. I agree, but you you don't bring in you know you don't bring in you know the the Hall of Fame hacker guy to to you know straighten out your you know your your bank unless you actually want it to get straightened out but i think this is more the. i mean this is a more interesting part of the whole thing it's like because i think facebook went through the same thing with uh the security person they brought in it was it stamos stamos anyway so i think what happens is the uh that may be the wrong name not to look it up but uh i think what happens is like they all every company wants to bring in a well-respected security expert to be the CISO, right Nobody wants to do and implement the pay for or implement the recommendations that they want to then put in. And I think, you know, look at like what happens, like, you know, the Facebook person left and then uh, now this, you know, it sounds like this person, quote unquote, didn't do a good job or, you know, there's obviously friction. And I, I don't know, this just seems like the, the, the pull, push and pull you see everywhere. It's like the business. And I think to your point about Twitter, you said earlier about you know, hasn't been delivering new features under a lot of financial pressure. So in that case, it's like a lot of other businesses, it's like, Hey, we're trying to grow revenue. We're trying to make more money. Yeah, that security stuff is important, but you know we still got to do this other stuff. Like we'll get to it when we get to it. So that's why you end up with like this being a lower priority. So, so to me, it just like it just resonates with me as like this is a very similar of all enterprise companies. Everyone's facing the same challenge: how much time and effort do you put on security versus building new stuff? Um, and so, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what comes of it with the Elon Musk lawsuit. So I guess we'll just hear more about it. But you know, again. Wish they did better, but not shocked that they, you know, that this is the state of Twitter to me at all. You know, there, I wonder if in the in the the security uh, thought leadership world or or theory world, there's like, it seems like there 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 would be a certain analysis of at some point this is the amount of money you're going to need to spend on security to to make sure things are secure. And if you're not able to spend that money, you're going to need to change how your business functions, right? And so, like, because I feel like the approach a lot of people have with security is, like, we need our current business and how we're operating to be secure. And then the response from the security people is often, like, I need some money. And then the business is, like, no. And and then so, like, you know, whether they're explicitly no or they just sort of, like, figure out a way to weasel out of it, but there must be some constraint of like, oh yeah, to do that kind of thing, you need this this amount of security that you just can't do, and, yeah, and then I the think, business has to rethink how they're operating. Well, I mean, two thoughts. One, I think when we talk about money, we got to like, I think it's worth being more specific. It's usually what what the real money there's headcount, right? Like, I need yeah, more people, yeah, yeah. and that's like right, the thing that right. co- companies are constantly fighting. Like, oh, I don't want to be having more people in like what is considered, you know, the operational side of the business, somebody that's clearly not going to be selling new stuff, even though it's important. Um, So I think it it kind of starts there. And then it's just like, you know, how do you make these decisions? Right. Because everyone always wants to make more money. Right. So at the same time, it's like, well, how much do you focus on security? Yes, it's important. And then most of even, you know, even now we talk about 
all of the various breaches we've seen, for the most part, they get dealt with, right? Even like, I don't know, the, even the ones that are horrible, like the Sony one, SolarWinds still persist on as a company, obviously under different leadership and things like that. But um, I don't know. There hasn't ever been this moment of like, you're completely out of business, right? Or, I mean, maybe there has been, but it doesn't seem like the common case. Yeah, yeah. You know, security, always a problem. You got you got well, to the- plan for things breaking and how you're going to uh, recover from it. And well, the other thing, it. you know, because we were talking about DevOps, like, you know, the security people are so desperate to get in that they, they try to like just throw insert their own word in the middle. Right. DevSecOps. But no one will <laughs> no one will allow that to happen. Like there's never like a DevSecOps uh, Austin or DFW or whatever. It's like these people will keep beating down the door. Right. They're uh I don't even know. Maybe they're not beating down the door. Like maybe one security person's like, we should go to the DevOps conference. And everyone else is like, no, we don't, we definitely don't want to go there. So, so that's a whole nother world that, that can't crash the party. That it seems to be very siloed even to this day. Yeah. We need some security person to have the same uh, open spaces concept. All, all security people come to this <laughs> open space and uh, we'll, we'll ask them if, if this is, and we'll complain. Helping. We'll complain yeah. <laughs> about developers and then we'll complain about operations. I'd be amazed yeah. if you could find even a handful to complain to each other. That would be impressive nonetheless. Just the fact no, that there there, there's going to be there. some, some, there's going to be some SecOps guy, right? Somebody who huh. is, is, you know, it's not going to be DevSec. It's going to be SecOps. SecOps. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Okay. That's good. That's good. Well, you know, going a little bit back to my, uh, you know, expat back in the States analysis, I, I, of course, you know, I've been pursuing all the delicious foods. Like, for example, I got a Dr. Pepper oh, uh, yeah. earlier today. Now, <laughs> there you go. now, I am fully aware that Dr. Pepper is now available in the Netherlands, but I just feel like having Dr. Pepper in Texas would be a completely different experience. Wait, 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 and wait. I, I feel two, like it is. Two, two Dr. Pepper things. One, they closed the Dr. Pepper factory in Dublin. Uh, uh, um, so, which means no one will ever go to D- Dublin, Texas again. Sorry. Two, they have Dr. Pepper here. And our grocery store, but it's under international foods from the UK. I don't know what's up with oh. that. Huh. <laughs> that that oh. is interesting. And you know, uh, the is, doctor is he, is he like Barrister Pepper? What 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 do they call Doctor Pepper? <laughs> that, that, wouldn't they call it like Doctor Peppery? Like what? Let's what Sir, would the Australian for Doctor Pepper be? Like Doctory P or something? Anyways, Doctor P. That might be what they say. That brand would not work out well. Uh, you know, uh, alternate name for Mountain Dew, but. Uh, I went to get a breakfast taco this morning, and I learned from last time I was here that instead of ordering two breakfast tacos because I, I'm, I'm progressing through life, I should just have one, and I won't feel sick afterwards. So I ordered my one breakfast taco, and I had specifically – I found some nice little taqueria, and I specifically had brought in cash because I was like, I don't know. They're probably not going to take Amex, and i got to do this magnetic swipe thing. But they totally accepted my Apple Pay. It was great. I was, it was like one of these old Taco Bell buildings that had been purchased and converted into a taco stand. And sure enough, I feel like I, 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 need, I need some input on this, Brandon. It feels like maybe America can now pay with their phone, right? Like you don't have to. Uh, I still couldn't do this at the P.F. Chang's in the Detroit airport. That was a little disappointing. But I feel, I feel like things have been progressing here. Has, has yeah, this been no, your I experience? For sure. Like any type of like fast casual restaurant or kind of like, you know, um, although I'm just trying to think H-E-B now that I say that I'm just going to say now as a say grocery store. So it's like, it's definitely offered a lot, uh, a lot more places. And I think, you know, kind of, there was this write up this week is, uh, from the wall street journal, just kind of say, I think it's up to, um, 90% of, uh, I don't know, terminals here in the U S now accept it. So I just think it's, I think we say this every time about various Apple, you know, initiatives. It's always like, ah, Apple Music. They should just buy Spotify, and then whatever. Three years go by, it's like, ah, well, looks like they have just about as many users, right? Or, um, it just goes on and on. And I think this is just another example of like Apple just is like the the king of the long game. They're just like, yep, we're gonna put this out there. Everyone's gonna make fun of it, how it's not used, and then now here we are, however many years later. And you know, I think they're well on their way. I mean, I don't know if they'll ever get to 100, percent but they're well into the. 90 percentiles and it'll probably and it, and it has gotten a lot easier right i mean kind of like the di- different terminals have made it a lot easier and i think there's even mm-hmm. you know as i've talked about on the show before like there's probably some even simpler things they could do to make it even easier but i don't know apple just continues to win at this you know I mean, you know i i bet i wonder what the biz dev team is at apple that works with like ingenico and all those like you know all the people who are the payment terminals right because that's like 
that's like a major component of it is just like rolling out those little terminals. Like, you know, over in Europe, everyone's got these little like handheld remote. And I think it is ING in CO or whatever. They're kind of all the same terminals. They all, yeah. yeah, they all look the same. And so like at some point there must've been a lot of steaks that people ate over there in Cupertino between these two companies just to like meld the stuff together. Cause I feel like once I see one of those, like I can use it. But if someone doesn't have that, then it's just like some madness. And, uh, you know, who, who is that? And, and do you know who those people are, Matt Ray, being from the, the POS industry? Are, are, they, are they a big deal? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, there's – do we really want to go down this rat hole? Yes, there, there are a couple – Just a little bit. Yeah, there, there are three or four uh, largish um, point-of-sale accessory vendors, and Ingenico is one of them. Um, and I can't remember anybody else right now, but – Back in the long ago days, I did work on Java point of sale uh, devices before before USB. Before <laughs> USB, oh. yeah, we had like pens and, and, and uh, <laughs> well, and yeah, things. yeah. Good. Times. Well, to save us from this, before you go any further, we get to any further down the rat hole. I did want to get your take, uh, Matt, because you're you're often thinking a lot about ads. I I just I do think the other thing Apple has announced, which is I don't know, just sort of just right out of some type of uh, business book, you know, uh, whatever, you know, destroy your enemy while you make more money. So Apple, I think, as we talked about before, sort of you know, kind of cost Facebook something like ten billion dollars, and now they are poised to, I guess, grow as it's reported their ad revenue. I guess it's like in the low single digit billions, trying to double it to like. 12 or what 12 billion dollars to say in the next few years so like i don't know what it it seems like from a business standpoint not in the harvard case study um when barton's you know on his alumni visit he can go back and talk to it, it seems like they'll just say this was a great idea it's like this is exactly what you do you just you know you cut your legs out from your competitors and then you take all the money um but like what yeah. do you think about ads coming more ads i should say more ads coming to apple are you uh are you building are you looking for some type of iphone ad blocker are you building one yourself yes. <clears throat> yes and yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so so uh, long-time listeners may know that I, I recently switched to an iPhone just because I was like kind of tired of how invasive uh, Google was in their security uh, or in, in their advertising and security posture. And, and I, you know, I've just, it felt, it felt invasive. And I was like, well, at least Apple, at least Apple has my privacy in mind. And, uh, you know, not as open a platform, but, but you know, they always seem to do right. And then, of course, um, yeah, I feel good about them cutting out Facebook. But, you know, long-term trends, they'll probably, you know, become the next Facebook of, you know, building up, a, buying a couple credit agencies so they can, oh, mm. they already have all your financial data. And, you know, they're tracking all your usage and all the websites you go to and then turn around and sell those ads to other people so that you can get direct ads on your phone. And it's like... Damn it! <laughs> so yeah, there's there's a bleak dystopian future of of ads on your phone coming. Um, what can you do about it? Well, you know, I don't know. Well, the first party um, ads I think are here, right? I think they're going to like you know try to make as much money as possible. I think you know the the bridge there, you know, the bridge too far maybe, or the bridge yet crossed would be the third party ads would be like okay, but you know once it's up and running, right, and once they're making twelve billion somebody's going to walk in and say, Hey, you know what we could do? We can make even more money, right? They'll, they'll pull up the Google ad n numbers and be like, you know what we could do? We could, we could sell these. So I don't know. I always have different feelings about it. Like I, you know, I kind of go back and forth. Like I almost just feel like if it annoys me too much is really what I care about more than like, I don't know the privacy stuff. Of course I don't love it, but I, I kind of just sort of like, well, that's the world we live in. But yeah, once, uh, once I open up Apple music and I, it takes me like 10 minutes to close the pop-ups to like find a playlist then I'll be like, okay, it's gone too mm. far. Yeah. I mean, if it affects the usability, then, then of course it's terrible. Right. Or, or if it causes egregious things, egregious, egregious things in your life, uh, you don't want that either. But like, like I, I think, I think, you know, I think that's, that's, uh, earlier y'all raised a good, uh, point about Apple or you, or you did Brandon, which, which I guess is what people would say is like, yeah, they just, you know, they do kind of what everyone else does, but it takes them like five years before it's like all of a sudden is an overnight success, which I guess if you were to look at the ad space, you, you would, uh, following that pattern, you could be like, well, of course they're going to be in ads in, in like maybe three years from now and they'll be selling ads. And it seems like maybe the Apple way of doing it would be like, yeah, but what if you just like could only do it in the Apple world? 
right? Like instead <laughs> of it being like, you know, the way, I mean, it's, it's almost like it's weird to apply these things, but like Facebook and Google are like the open web version of ads. And I can yeah. imagine that Apple would just be like, no, these ads only work in the Apple world. That's it. Yeah. We don't do anything else. Well, and, the, and... They'll, they'll probably turn around to like the, the ad supported games, right? So, so they're like, mm. oh, you know, we're oh, going to show you ads. And it. Apple's like, tell you what we'll do. You put a, a hook in your app to show an ad. And instead of going, farming it out to Google, um, you come to us and we will show that user a very specific ad and tell you what, buy it from us. You know, we'll charge you uh, a reasonable amount and you'll get better placement. And we'll probably keep them a little more secure than, you know, the other folks. You know, we'll right. keep their privacy a little. You know, we, we can give you exceptionally targeted information about them. But or, or we can sell you the ads, but we won't give you the information. Right. That'll right. Be because the, because the, the Google, I don't know what Facebook's sort of motto here is, but the Google thing is like, what is it like organize the world's information or something like that? Yeah. And then the Facebook one is, I, like I said, I don't Move know what fast and uh, break things. Yeah, yeah, but <laughs> I but I, I, I feel I feel one. like is that not right? I like connect. I thought it was like connecting the world or oh, something. Sorry, I'll, but I'll I, I think maybe the Apple Vision is what if there was just one company? I mean, that's kind of like <laughs> that's kind of what they're driving towards. Is, is like you know the old uh, what would they say in the cyberpunk world, the Zaibatsu or something like that? But like yes. just like the one gigantic organization. And I guess if you had kind of based them on like Sony and like. You wouldn't base it on Samsung, but it's more of just like, well, yeah, no, but what if that, those companies... are good? Those are fair comparisons, right? The, yeah, yeah. Big, well, I, I remember you know, Steve Jobs country, as a big Sony companies fan. that dominate countries, right? Right, right. And so I think maybe that's like the vision that Apple is shooting for. So therefore, the privacy concerns you have about like ads and stuff, like it's not that they don't apply, it's that they're different because the privacy concerns that you have with these other companies is like all these other entities get access to stuff. Whereas Apple would be like, no, no, no only us. We're the only ones who know everything about you. <laughs> well, yeah, no one, no one else knows everything about you. Only and, us. and and they've taken the effort to secure their laptops. So when they <laughs> start right. sharing that financial information from your Apple Pay to the advertisers to be like, oh, you want to make sure that this person spends at least four thousand dollars a month with their Apple Card. We got you, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And so maybe it's worth because like you know all these things come out and then people predict they're not going to do well like Apple Pay then they do well so I guess maybe it's worth to like just take the the current thing so the current thing I think most people are skeptical of is the Apple Car Apple Car operating system thing that they kind of announced uh-huh. they showed some screenshots I think most people were completely dismissive of it I think my reaction is probably something similar like huh that seems weird and it's like so but if we just say like based on some of their track record it's like well it's possible they'll license some type of operating system to uh, a bunch of car makers and like kind of make the Apple car that way. Right. And we'll all be like, huh, turns out this operating system is pretty good. Like, I don't know. We'll be driving a car. Right. And I mean, like, they, they, it's they, like, yeah, they, actually, you know what? We thought it was crazy, but now we actually like uh, the new Apple car OS and we want our new cars to have it. So, I mean, even if I say that, it seems crazy to, to think but it's like i don't know i probably would have said maybe i'd say the same thing about payments or people said the apple watch they were very skeptical of or the ipad and it's like i don't know they've gone on to be pretty big hits yeah or or you would just buy a car from apple that would be very apple that that yeah. would be amazing uh or maybe it wouldn't be amazing we'll we'll see maybe if this twitter deal deal falls through the tesla stock will go down and uh, and then Apple can just buy them and sort that whole thing out. Like that seems okay. like if you were going to have like <laughs> like like a crazy executive founder type, maybe Apple is the only place that kind of like knows how to deal with that. Like they they <laughs> they're sort of founded on dealing with a crazy like Elon but, Musk takes over yeah. the giant they, did, they, they didn't buy Apple. They didn't buy. Oh no, um, <laughs> they didn't buy Spotify. Right? They they built their own. So they you know they look oh, yeah, they watch yeah. they watch Tesla and they're like all right check those boxes, figure out what they did, and we'll start our own thing. And hire oh, people just... from the company, right? That's yeah. the thing. They hire all ah. the, the quote-unquote really smart people. That's what they're doing with their, I guess, their networking chips when they open the office. I mean, can you, can you imagine like, like an Apple car, just like with the cables, like every five years there'd be like different <laughs> tires? And you're, you would you're be like, why, why is this yeah. the only car that requires these bizarre tires that we always have to swap? No, it would be package? better. It would be like, what kind of uh, nuts are these tires hooked on with? You have to have like a special <laughs> uh, adapter. Yeah. To, like, Proprietary the, the mechanics, lug nuts. Like, right? I don't have anything. I, I can't like, I don't have the air gun uh, socket right, connector, you, you know, yeah, you to, can't do to it. Fix, 
to, to fill, put some air in your tire, you have to take it to the genius bar. And you just literally hey, genius, like, fill the tires. You drop the entire car off and they just give you a new one, right? They're like, okay, yeah, it's under the Apple Care. So just go for it. So I look forward for that in a few years. Well, speaking but, about care, Brandon, yes. do we have any bureaucracy this episode? Just a little bit. Um, well, Cote's, as he's mentioned, he's in Dallas, but uh, hopefully he'll be making the drive to Austin here um, very soon. So I if hope you so hear as this, well. Uh, if you hear this, I guess on Friday or Saturday morning, if you're that kind of person, and we are doing a meetup, all the details are in uh, the show notes here. So come out. Uh, I think we're, or I know we're having it at the Pine House. So you can have some pizza, some beer. You can talk to myself uh, or Cote. We cannot, uh, we can't get Matt in yet. So I don't know. Maybe for the next one, we'll we'll find a way to get Matt here. Uh, so definitely check it out. And then um, also, I sent some stickers to Stephen in Norway. So I think we've rounded out the Nordic region. I think we got all the countries. I can't I have to look it up. So enjoyed uh, sending stickers. And if you'd like a sticker, all you have to do is send your postal address to stickers at softwaredefinedtalk.com. And I will be happy to send you a sticker anywhere in the world. We should, we should, uh, maybe we should run a, a sticker contest. Speaking of the Nordic countries, where whoever can take a picture of a sticker as far north as possible. Uh, will win. What they win Oof. is is winning. <laughs> is and, winning. And, like, <laughs> well, I so think this I, person. I, I don't know. Maybe I think Stephen did th- tell me that he he was because uh, I of course you know always make some small talk, but I was just like, oh, I bet you the weather's great in Norway. And he was like, and I think he told me he lives pretty far north, so I think he's got a good start on that one. He may be yeah. all right. I have to get the globe well, out, see what other countries get but, the globe uh, out. <laughs> I don't know. I don't maybe, know. Matt, maybe, Matt, maybe do you have the furthest south? I guess that's got to be some one of our well, there's, Australian there's got, listeners. Uh, we, yeah, there's farther south than Sydney. I mean Melbourne. Uh, if we got okay. anybody in Hobart, yeah. All right, we'll Hobart. see. Maybe we can figure that out. Who's the furthest north? Who's the furthest south? I like that. Good idea. Yeah, maybe maybe South Africa is going to sneak. Yeah, out. and to reiterate, we'd love to hear about it and. The goal is you just win. That's it. There's not getting anything else. So I don't want to <laughs> like. I don't want to. I want to make sure like you opt into this contest. Like like it's like DevOps. I just want you to know if you do any work on this, you're just gonna get a shout out. That's all we have. Oh yeah, to New Zealand. You win. Yeah. Oh, New Zealand. Okay, well, we definitely have some people in New Zealand, so that's good. All right. Well, we've got the good theory. We just need some uh, some GPS photographs uh, <laughs> that uh, that that show us a sticker somewhere, and we'll, we'll determine whichever one is the furthest north. And then after this, we'll have the furthest south. And then to totally blow people's minds, the furthest west and the furthest east, which uh, I don't know how we'll that's going to be controversial here, but we'll we'll figure it out. Uh, Well, there's also many conferences coming up now. There's still tomorrow. You could still come to the next day of DevOps Days Dallas uh, if if you somehow I guess you could listen to this when we're recording it. And then next week, I'll be in San Francisco for VMware Explore, August 29th to September 1st. If you go to Cote.io slash explore, you can browse around and look at what's there. And then Matt Ray, what's the Sydney Cloud FinOps meetup on October thirteenth? Is that is that going to be cool? Uh, yeah, it's going to be cool. I'm I'm giving a talk uh, about uh, Kubernetes costs and working in the cloud. So uh, you know, check that out. If uh, it's it was going to be in person, but now it looks like it's it's going to be virtual. So the Sydney Cloud FinOps I will be presenting. So so what you're telling me is that Kubernetes doesn't already do good billing reporting. <laughs> Is that is that true? Did you really think it would do that? I mean, come on. I <laughs> I get like some of your other complaints about Kubernetes, but you know, understanding cost management of the underlying cloud as it applies to your applications, it's a bit of a stretch. I don't know. I mean, the, the, does VMware uh, do that for for bare metal? Uh, I don't. I don't. You know, I'm not familiar with that part of our portfolio. <laughs> there, no. there, there is there is some some financial uh, stuff there. What did we used to call that in ITEL? What was the name for the uh, the financial stuff? There was some phrase for it, but but I forget. I should look that up. Obviously, I'm not certified, uh, or my certification has lapsed. Uh, now, there's also uh, KubeCon uh, in the U.S. October 24th to 28th. I believe we're a media sponsor of that, uh, yeah. which is which is thrilling. That's a uh, that's nice are you going, Brandon, or, or are either of y'all going? Not sure yet. We'll see. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. But I think, Kote, the EU one is in Amsterdam, so that you may have a oh. real easy time. That may be a real easy one for you to go up. to. I, so. I might be going. So yeah, I need I need to look that up because that would that would be nice to go to. I could just bike over there. Now uh, it'd be a bummer because I won't get uh, you know qualifying uh, airline flights or Marriott Bonvoy points. <laughs> we'll find a resonant resonance. 
Renaissance. What is it? Renaissance. Renaissance hotel. Renaissance. Find a, and just stay there. Find it in uh, in Amsterdam and just stay there for the night and be like, well, it wasn't It'd be hilarious if they had the, those little coffee machines and they had like come across the Atlantic uh, to populate Amsterdam. And then also uh, we have Spring One Platform coming up December 6th and 8th. I, I, one of my talks was rejected and I was dejected, but then the other talk was accepted. Uh, so I'm, I'm pleased about that. And then uh, the call for counselors, which is to say talks and papers, is open for that conference in Texas, which is uh, January 16th and 19th. You should go check that out. Now, if you want to look at, uh, get links to those things instead of Googling or DuckDuckGoing or using Lycos for that, you can go to softwaredefinedtalk.com slash 374, which is the episode number. You can find links to those conferences, all sorts of other things, things we talked about and we didn't talk about. Uh, and more information. Now with that, Matt Ray, what do you have to recommend this episode? I have an anti-recommendation, which is, uh, come on, Amazon, you're shipping. Check this out. A little audio treat for you. What does that sound like? That is not (laughs) how you ship ceramic mugs, Amazon. This is the shipping envelope (laughs) that it came in, and they shipped me ceramic mugs. Loose <laughs> back. Really? It just completely shards. And it's so ridiculous because they want me to ship them back. <laughs> they want you to ship them back. Yes. That's that's good. So okay, so so your your anti recommendation is uh broken coffee mugs yes. from Amazon. Like now like, now just, are, are, yeah. do you have the kind of household where what you'll I don't know if this is a, a, a normal thing or just an eighties thing where you save up broken ceramic stuff to put at the yeah. bottom of your potted plants oh to allow gosh. for like, yeah, like no, water no. flow or something. I never understood no, what we, that was. Yeah, no, we, we're, we're, we're renters, Cote. We, we don't have space <laughs> for the hoarding. <laughs> How about yourself, Brandon? What do you have to recommend? All right, well, two things. Uh, one, I just want to say uh, thank you to Venmo support. So this past week, um, I had to pay something uh, on behalf of my wife, and I inadvertently put in um, the wrong username. So the username that was almost the same and ended up paying them. Like it was like, you know, not a huge sum of money, but a, a, a sum of money that really hurt. And so I don't know if you've ever read this. If you actually do this kind of the, and obviously Venmo gets this question a lot. It's like the money's gone, right? So you can't really get it back. So I sent it to actually I sent it to someone I didn't know. So there was really, it's not like all you can do is request it back. There's no like, you know, you can't like call the person and be like, Hey, Coach, I just made this mistake, send the money back. So luckily, though, they were very nice. I uh, kind of got on there frantically. I sent in a request, and uh, they found a way to kind of work it out and gave me my money back. So uh, I really appreciate this. And then um, just we won't go down a long uh, discussion of it today, but I just sort of like, man, I'm not ready for uh, the Bitcoin blockchain. Like, I don't want to live in a world where every uh, like every <laughs> small keystroke uh, mistake uh uh, can never be reversed. I don't want to live in the uh, the non-reversible world, if you will. So, so thank you to Venmo. I appreciate uh, um, them taking care of me. And then on uh, for the recommendation this week is it actually came out. I think Matt, maybe you even recommended it in the Software Defined Talk Slack. It was uh, the Sandman audiobook. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was uh, the one I l- listened to. Uh, not surprisingly, was on Audible, and it's really more like an audio drama. I mean, yeah, it's yeah, incredibly really well. Good produced i mean they have like top name actors in like many there's probably i don't know i, I was thinking 10... i need to i only listened to the first one i need to pick up the second one yeah mm. so if you're uh i wasn't you know i guess it's part of the dc universe i didn't know i didn't really know that much about like where yeah, sam and fits in but it's it, yeah. it's uh it's pretty interesting it was the whole thing was really interesting and it's like it, it was a, a great listen if so if you're interested in audiobooks like this is a special one to listen to because it really is uh like I said, it's, it's more than a book. It's like a dramatic reading of it with lots of characters. So if that's your thing. Check out The Sandman on Audible. Well, uh, yeah. It, it, have, have you seen the TV show, Brandon? I don't know. You know, somebody, I think that was also talked about in the Slack. Someone kind of pointed it out and said it wasn't really good. It's like, I watched like 30 minutes of it and I fell asleep. And then the book I thought was really good because someone said, I think it was Jordy said the book's really good. So I guess I just go with that. I haven't really watched the TV show, so I can't tell you if it's good or bad. Have you, Kote? Has anyone seen it? it I I watched the first episode. It was, it was, uh, uh, I've listened to both the audiobooks. I've never really read the comics, but uh, the first episode was good. It's obviously much different than the, uh, the 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 books or whatever, or it's it's paced out differently. So 
So that's nice. Yeah. It's nice when, when uh, it's kind of like the American Gods TV show. Like it's like kind of sort of like the book, but but different enough. That yeah, that one, I never finished it. it, it that it kind of, I don't know, I lost steam after. Yeah, yeah. It, it kind of proves the lesson that like if you have a book that you really like and you're like, oh, man, I'm so sad this book was over. It's like, no, no, no. It was the exact right length. Like, you know, you, you don't you don't want to keep. Going. Uh, well, Kote, that's funny. I, I thought this I didn't like American American. American gods as much as you, but um, we could. Uh, but I, I don't know. The same thing kind of it, it reminded me a little bit of. It's different, obviously. It's different books, but it kind of. I don't know. I felt like it was like some similar ideas. I don't know. I don't know. What What do you think? I know you like that that book a oh, lot well, too. He, yeah, I mean, it's from the same author, so like, it's, yeah. uh, he kind he kind of like in a good way, kind of sort of like writes the same universe over and over again, like whatever that is. But I guess I don't know. I just was more captivated by this universe. I guess, I don't know. Maybe that's just me, but it was interesting. Yeah. I thought, yeah, yeah. I thought yeah, yeah, maybe, a, go ahead. No, I, I think, I think it's, I, I mean, I think it's, it's more diverse and there's a lot more going on. I mean, it's like a comic book format, right? I'm being all pedantic here, but like, so it like, it has the, uh, like, hopefully when you're doing comic books, especially if I remember at, this point in his career you're like i never want this to end because it's great <laughs> revenue right and so like That's i imagine true. when you're when you're at that point in your career and you're kind of crafting a universe of comic books you're always trying to like open up more possibilities than close them out right like and you know and and you see that in the audio thing where like all of a sudden there'll be these stories that are like totally unrelated to anything you're like god damn it now i gotta listen to the story that is not involved in normal plot and then at the end <laughs> there's a lot of the, that in the sandman at, right? at, at the end like you know what's his face dream is going to show up and just be like oh can i eat the rest of that sandwich and then that's the tie-in right <laughs> and it's totally unrelated to anything else and so like you just got to have that kind of filler but my follow-on recommendation is i forget his name but if you haven't uh, done a Google search for the producer of the Sandman audiobooks, you should really treat yourself and go do a Google image search for whatever that guy's name is. And just like, it's a very, very unique visual character going on there. And just kind of dig deep into that and, and enjoy the visuals uh, of, of what's there. So my recommendation, uh, it, it's, it's, it's a high-level recommendation and then a specific one, is I, uh, I recently rediscovered a principle that I think even in Austin... Uh, great Austin, where we've got HEB discovered, which is like, chances are high that maybe, depending on if you have an HEB locally or not, but like if, if you don't like your grocery stores, what you should probably start doing is shopping at the Asian supermarket, because it's probably superior to what you're going to find at your regular market. And I think this is definitely going to be true in the Netherlands, because we discovered two Asian supermarkets just right down the street from us, and they're fantastic. Right, they got all your produce. They get all your your meat and your well. One of them does. the The other one is a little weird, uh, but the one uh, and and you know this is this is in the Netherlands, so you got to remember they have different diction and word choice. It's called Amazing Oriental, uh, and I think it's a chain that they have, but it's it's fantastic. It looks like it's not going to be good uh, from the outside, but then you go in and it's great and. You know, not only do they have all the regular stuff, but they have, like, uh, the variety of food from not only, as they would say, the Orient, uh, but from all sorts of different places. So you can actually, uh, you can go in there, and you can buy, uh, you know, the big spice container that's, uh, I don't know, about as big as a trade paperback book. You can buy that size of Old Bay for what now would be called $15 or 15 euros, like Old Bay seasoning, which I don't know if that's even available in the States, but they have, uh, they have everything you need there. So check out, uh, I of course go to Amazing Oriental Daufendrecht, uh, my, my local one, and uh, it's good stuff. I think we'll start shopping there more. Uh, they even have a pretty good looking meat counter. Uh, astounding. So, so sub recommendation there is I got the roasted coconut uh, juice, uh, which I've had many of, perhaps too many. You should pursue that. Now, speaking of things you should pursue, you have once again pursued a fantastic episode of Software Defined Talk. If you want to get the show notes for this episode, uh, which has everything we talked about and, uh, well, many of the things we talked about and many things that we didn't, you can, you can go to softwaredefinedtalk.com slash 374 and uh, check that out. And remember, uh, what we recommend doing is anytime you have access to a device that can be subscribed to an RSS feed, whether it's yours, your children's, uh, maybe like an LG or a Samsung TV with a podcast device. <laughs> Be sure to subscribe to our podcast. You don't have to listen to it. Just make sure that it's continually downloading it. And uh, that is perhaps the best way or a way to support uh, this 
podcast. Bye bye. Bye. All right, man. Well, good. Well, hey, like I put uh, for everyone uh, streaming, uh, it's in uh, local here in Austin. Uh, put the details to the meetup, so you don't really have to sign up. But I was just trying to get a head count. So I think we'll have between ten and fifteen, Cote. That's my guess. Oh I think, wow. Um, huh? Although I don't know. You know, I guess we'd have to talk to some events people. I think we'll have a. Well, I think we'll have some uh, known. Uh, no shows, and then we'll have some unknown shows. That's yeah. how I think well, it's going to work you got, out. You got an industry standard response of what is it like? You maybe maybe thirty percent. Well, no, you're going to have like like ten percent dropout. Uh, maybe yeah, maybe so. even fifteen. But you know, we might be we might be such a popular thing that we buck those numbers. Oh, I want to I want to give some props to Barton George, who's here with me, and uh, he is he has graciously volunteered to go get me a beer. Uh, and, and it's only because we have a, a is it a multi-decade long relationship at this point, Barton? Oh my gosh, it is. It was 72? Yeah, 72. Yeah. Uh, you know, five years before I was born, but that's okay. That's, me too. So. That's probably when you were at Harvard, right? Yes, exactly. Or you were talking to John Travolta. Barton, Barton didn't go to Harvard because he hasn't told me about it a dozen times.